everyone. This is Kat from Ocean Pancake Podcast, and today we have a very special episode with Jonathan Clark from Sea Shepherd with Apex Harmony, where we're talking all about humpback whales getting entangled in shark nets on the Gold Coast and how you can help wherever you are in the world to stop this problem and protect not only the humpback whales, but the turtles and the sharks and the dolphins and the rays and the dugongs and all the creatures who get entangled in these shark safety protocols which don't actually work we talk about the science of what we can do to make them work alternative non-lethal methods and the success of um the campaigning over the past couple years and stay tuned to the end where we hear all about Django, the tinny man who risked his life to jump into the water to save a whale so yeah (laughs) let's do it Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean. Whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution, if the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, and that is Jonathan Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kat. It's uh, great to be back again. Uh, Yeah, second spot on uh, Ocean Pancake, hey? Yeah, well, I had to have you back on just because it's humpback whale migration time again in Australia, which, of course... um, means we're getting humpbacks caught in nets. But before we get into that, quick introduction. Who are you? What do you do? Okay, yes, I'm Jonathan Clark, and I uh, coordinate Sea Shepherd's Apex Harmony campaign. So we're um, working for the sharks, I suppose, uh, is a way to look at it. But, um, you know, there are so many uh, issues within that that you could be working on, and you can't do everything. So our main focus at the moment is on the shark nets and drum lines of the Queensland Shark Control Program. We've also got work going on with, uh, in regards to the New South Wales uh, uh, happenings down there with their, what they call their bather protection program. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do keep a pretty close ear on what's going on in Western Australia as well. But uh, that main focus, of course, is uh, New South, uh, uh, sorry, Queensland. Uh, and as you mentioned early, uh, earlier, that, that big issue right now is that uh, humpback whale migration season is, is on us right now. Yeah, so for anyone who wants to know more about what Apex Harmony does and Sea Shepherd does, you can just check out our previous podcast because we get into a lot of detail about why uh, Apex Predators sharks in the ocean need to be protected and what's happening with the nets, what are drum lines, all that information can be found there. But today, we're more so talking about the news and what's been happening right now. So can you share with us what is the humpback whale migration and what does it have to do with the shark nets? Well, uh, every year we are just so lucky uh, to have a a growing number of humpback whales swim uh, up the east coast and indeed the west coast of Australia. There's um, there's several 
uh, migration routes of, of these animals. And it's also not just humpback whales. There are other whales that have this migration path along the east coast of, of Australia. But, um, you know, back uh, not that very long ago, the numbers of humpback whales that uh, were able to migrate along the east coast of Australia got down to somewhere between 100 and 200 individual animals. Now, that, that's utterly remarkable. And the only reason the whaling stopped was an economic reason. It was too costly for them to continue hunting those animals, and so they stopped. But now we have uh, an Australian whale sanctuary. The, the animals are uh, protected. And so we've got upwards of 30, 33,000 whales migrating past our coast expected this year. The numbers have increased by around about 10% per year, which is really remarkable. And, and I guess the other way to look at just how remarkable this is, I believe that humpback whales are one of the only uh, animals to come back uh, to this extent from being that close to, to extinction. Uh, there's very, very few examples where animals get listed as endangered and then can make a recovery. It just doesn't happen very often. And, and we're right in the midst of it. And it, so it's something to celebrate. Uh, now, these animals are protected. They're protected by federal law in this country. And yet we've got the Queensland government is able to knowingly still have uh, equipment in the water uh, that we know will capture whales every single year. And uh, that's what's been happening. And uh, already uh, this year, on, and just on the Gold Coast, where there are 11 shark nets, there have already been four uh, whale entanglements this year. Uh, at the point of the fourth whale entanglement this year, uh, the same time last year was the first one. So oh, wow. we are already well ahead of last year. Last year, there were five entanglements uh, uh, all up uh, that we know of. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit more detail about what we know and what we understand and what we believe to be the case um, a little bit later. Uh, but yes, this year, already having four at this point bodes for uh, a, a terrible season ahead of us of, of whale entanglements in Queensland. Which is absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, every time we went out on the boat and um, one of the things that Jonathan does is go out on the boat gray nurse and checks out the nets and the drum lines. So often you see creatures which are not the target creatures. They're not sharks, which are entangled. And as horrible as it is that sharks, you know, are being targeted to be killed, but everything from dolphins to turtles to rays and everything is being captured throughout the year. Um, but for some reason, you know, I think mostly because of human interest, the humpback whales and because of their size and intelligence, it, this is the time during the year where people pay more attention, almost. It's, it's, it's one of the unfortunate things, I guess, about human nature is that we seem to care more for animals that are more like us. Mm -hmm. um, and look, to, to that end, I guess, the, the humpback whale migration season also gives us an opportunity to draw attention to what is actually going on there. Uh, we can draw people's attention to it. We can motivate people to uh, take action. And that's what we've been doing in, the, in this last week. But the truth is those uh, shark nets and drum lines are, are put in the water, uh, supposedly on our behalf, using public money uh, to 
supposedly make beaches safer. They don't. Uh, we know this and it can be, um, well, it cannot be demonstrated that the nets and the drum lines uh, make beaches safer. In fact, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of logic uh, around when you understand what they do that, that gives you the opposite view. But it's true, there's, there's uh, every single year, lots and lots of rays uh, get caught. And there's various species of those uh, from your, your cow nose rays to your spotted eagle rays uh, to your mobular rays that are um, and, and including manta rays. Uh, there's dolphins uh, that get caught uh, each and every year. And, um, you know, we've been watching some uh, dreadful practices in relation to that with uh, the contractors of, of late. Um, there's, uh, there's also dugongs. We don't hear about dugongs so much, but I, but it, that's a there aren't many dugongs around uh, anymore, um, and and that and they're an animal that is uh, restricted to very small areas where there are the sea grasses that they feed on still remaining, uh, but those have gone from from, from a lot of areas. Uh, yeah, so um, the, and and the big one, uh, especially with drum lines, is turtles, and uh, we've we've performed a couple of. Uh, uh, turtle rescues ourselves and reported uh, turtles. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrific to, to watch a turtle with a hook through its mouth, um, struggling as though it's, it's its last breath at, at the surface. Um, we, we've seen that uh, live out there on the boat and it's, it's, it's an awful thing. Uh, but it, it, it is unfortunately really difficult to get a lot of attention on this and it's almost impossible to get the government to move on this. However, with the humpback whales, it's, it's you know, that, that animal uh, where we do have an opportunity to really change things up and, uh, and, and get some action. And I, I really think that this year is going to be the year we have a major change in the Queensland Shark Control Program. I, I definitely hope so. I mean, whales, as you were saying, they're that icon of conservation because we have managed to you know, stop whaling to the point where they have managed to rebound and their numbers have increased. For anyone who is interested, there's a whole podcast just about humpback whales. Highly recommend everyone listen to that because it's all about the history of how they actually became protected. And partially it was thanks to their intelligence and their whale song and how close they are to us, which is why we feel this empathy and why seeing, you know, uh, a humpback whale struggling in a net makes us feel horror of what's actually happening with these nets. And it's not always an adult humpback as well. There's babies that have been caught, which is heartbreaking. So can you tell us a bit more about the individuals which were caught this year? Yeah, uh, well, just, just reflecting on two, uh, you know, these are animals that are, you know, like us, they breathe mm -hmm. air. So when they get caught in the, in the net, it's, it's very visible. It's, it's right there. Um, the uh, news helicopters are able to zoom right in. They're, um, they're out there every day at the moment, I believe. Uh, oh, really? And with, well, they're, they're looking for Migaloo, to tell you the truth. Um, yeah. And uh, Migaloo's on, on, the, on the way up. Migaloo being the very famous uh, uh, white whale that uh, does that annual migration uh, past our shores as well. And, uh, but when, when a whale does get caught, um, it's a very public, very visible uh, uh, view of what uh, actually happens in, in, in those nets and drum lines. And one of the ways I reflect on, on this is that 
when you see it, you can see that animal breathe. When you see a humpback whale breathe, it's, it's this huge spout that, 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 that comes out and you can hear it and you can hear it from the beach. Uh, I've been out of the water at Noosa last year when, when there was uh, a, a calf caught in the net at, at Noosa and it was very audible. You could, you could see it, you could hear it um, and, and, and that makes you feel very close to it. And so we've had uh, four uh, uh, catches in the nets uh, uh, this season and uh, we had two of those uh, three days apart. So oh, wow. uh, it was a week and a half ago on, on the Friday, uh, there was a, a whale caught at... Uh, now, uh, we've had uh, Surfers Paradise was uh, one of them and we've had Southport uh, was the other. And um, I'm just going to do a little bit of a, uh, a cheat here at the moment. I'm just, just in the interest of my getting this absolutely right. I'm going to pop in. I'm going to tell you um, uh, what uh, the dates were um, and, and of each of these individuals because I, I've been keeping a track of this uh, each year um, because we've had disagreement with the official figures, etc. So on, on the 19th of May, so that's very early in the season, we had a juvenile um, humpback caught down at uh, Burley Beach, which is at the... Um, sort of central southern end of uh, the Gold Coast. And then exactly one month later, um, on the 19th, which was the anniversary of last year's first entanglement, we had two whales caught. There was a mother and a, and a calf. Both together? of them entangled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the two of them caught. And uh, that one was, um, you know, that one highlighted one of the really big issues uh, on this. And that is, well, that, that is the, the endangerment that um, these entanglements create for those that are tasked with going and doing the rescues. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you know, I, I, I've got the utmost respect for those people on the boats who are there cutting those animals out of the shark nets. Um, it is a very, very dangerous job. Uh, when I was on the water, uh, you know, uh, within up to 50 metres, 50 to 100 metres, we were, you know, at some point reasonably close there to an animal caught in the net at Noosa last year. And you could see it was, it was a calf and the mother was in full protection mode. You could see her surface on one side of the shark net, um, take a breath, go under. She would swim under the net, come up the other side. And all the, at the same time, the, the rescue team in their little um, uh, rubber boat were trying to A, assess the situation and B, get in and actually uh, cut that net away. And they had to be so, so careful. Um, so, you know, when I look at that, I could really see how dangerous that is. Now, on the 19th of June uh, this year, uh, down at Southport, two whales at once caught in there and the water was rough, it was windy, it was, it was past, uh, I think it was past 20 knots of wind uh, and it was rough. And so that was a really dangerous place to be on those boats rescuing those whales. And um, so that's one of the, the things that we talk about in our, in, in our media that, that we put out there is that this is a job that shouldn't exist. 
Uh, mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to have a team specifically out there to practice every year, to have four people out there on a boat trained to release whales from shark nets. Now that's, um, the government has a team called the Marine Animal Rescue Team that does that. And there's also the team uh, based at SeaWorld. You know, SeaWorld shouldn't have to be doing this as well. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they, they also struggle. There's, there's political issues around this as well. You know, um, the team at SeaWorld can't just take it upon themselves to go and uh, rescue whales. They have to jump through fairly um, serious bureaucratic hoops when it comes to whale um, rescues from shark nets. They have to get permission from the Department of Fisheries before they go out and perform this work. Um, and they, don't, they shouldn't have to be doing this at all anyway. But yes, that um, entanglement on the 19th was um, a particularly dangerous looking affair. Um, and when they released those animals, you could still see um, rope hanging from the tail of that car. Now, we know from previous experience from, from seeing other whales out there that when they get rope entangled around their fins, around their flukes, that over time it digs into their skin. Uh, and it's not a celebration when, when we release these animals because there's the stress of the capture, but there's also that possibility of that rope still hanging onto them. And we've seen footage of whales that have lost their uh, dorsal fins that have lost their um, tail flukes even from, uh, you know, entanglements. And I'm not saying from shark net entanglement, from entanglements generally, there, there's all these injuries occur. So there's no stretch to um, consider that these animals get serious injuries from, the, from these shark nets. Um, the fourth whale entanglement that we had in Queensland this year happened uh, on the 21st. So two days after the Southport one, um, so it surfaced paradise. So, you know, when, when our Queensland government uh, gets out there in the media and celebrates whales as being such uh, a boost to our, uh, our tourism industries in this, in this state, and then at the same time, they have these shark nets in the way. And at our biggest iconic beaches, you know, South, Southport Main Beach on the Gold Coast, Surface Paradise on the Gold Coast, Noosa on, on the Sunshine Coast, the, these animals get entangled at those very beaches right in front, of, in front of everyone. How can that possibly stand up to any kind of, you know, tourism promotion that, that our government uh, wants to put up? It's, it is just nuts. So, um, you know, in our campaign, we certainly will use those lines. We take no hesitation in, in, in saying, uh, you know, where's the effect that, uh, you know, these shark nets are a detriment to our, our tourism industries and all those businesses uh, on our coast, apart from the huge detriment that's obvious to those animals. And as you were saying, the money that is being pumped into this program is our money, it's the taxpayers' money, and that the numbers are, I think last time I read, were pretty scary. Was it four million? Am I, how much was okay, it every so, year? Yeah, so uh, so for many years, it's been uh, 4.3 million annually. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the last budget the, of the Queensland government, 
expanded the program by another 17.1, I think it was, million over, over the next four years. Um, so that's almost, it's around about doubling of it. And they yeah. said, oh, increased contractor costs and operational costs, blah, blah, blah. But um, as soon as that, um, you know, whether it's a coincidence or not, I say, you know, well, you know make your own mind up. But um, very soon after that uh, um, huge increase, the uh, contractor on the Gold Coast got himself a very much bigger, faster, shinier boat out of it. And that boat is incredible. Uh, so th these are very, very expensive operations to run. Um, mm -hmm. There are contractors right along the Queensland coast, uh, all the way up north of Cairns. There are contractors in various centres, uh, Cairns, Townsville, uh, Mackay, Yapoon, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, and I've probably missed one or two in between there. But there are contractors all through there. They're very, very lucrative contacts, uh, contracts. Those contractors love them because uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's I, I would suggest it's easier money than commercial fishing. And, uh, and, and, and pays vastly better. Um, but uh, within that $17.1 million extra of our money, our tax money that I've put in, into this, uh, 1 million per year over four years has been put into research. Now 1 million, you know, to the lay person, that sounds like a fair slab of money, uh, you know, buy, mm -hmm. buy a couple of good houses with that. But, um, <laughs> It's, uh, it doesn't buy a lot of research. It might pay a couple of salaries uh, for, a, for a time, um, but it's not a serious amount to be putting into, re in, into research. And it's certainly not a serious amount to be putting into a change of system over to non-lethals. Now, I've been arguing for some time now that we don't need trials of drones. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't need a research projects on, on, on drones. It's been done in New South Wales. It's being done in Western Australia. We don't need a Queensland trial of drones. Mm -hmm. We need approving of the drones yeah. in our waters. We need a commitment uh, to putting drones into uh, the hands of beach safety experts. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I mean that in, in my ideal world, the Queensland government would talk to the surf life saving, uh, surf life saving Queensland. Now, um, that's a tricky one because, you know, surf life-saving plays an interesting game here. Uh, you won't find surf life-saving coming out and saying, we want the nets and the drum lines out, which is really um, sad and unfortunate. But I believe that uh, surf life-saving could be convinced with a project, a bucket of money attached to a project that trains their people and... and you know, I, I don't want drones put out there in the hands of non-experts. I want them put out there in the hands of, of expert surf life-saving people who have been trained in uh, uh, piloting drones, properly mm -hmm. piloting drones, commercial drone pilots. And, and that can happen, but that takes an investment and it takes vision from a government to do that. And uh, I'm just hoping that right now the, 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 the Queensland government is thinking that they need to move beyond their traditional style of thinking, which is nets and drum lines. Oh, we might take the nets out. Let's put drum lines in. I just hope they don't do that. Yeah. Um, I hope that they can take that step and say, and look at all of those, the people that are saying, it's not just us, you know, greeny activists, you know, animal type <laughs> people. It's not just us, yeah. you know, um, 
However, we are very, very solutions focused on this. We've, um, for the last 18 months or so, been putting in our communications to government and to media that we have proposed solutions. Now, they're not airy-fairy. They're not things that can't be achieved. Uh, we've got very well-considered uh, proposals around this. Now, they're not fully costed out. That's not our job. Yeah. But I can tell you, in 2018, when I took a boat north of Cairns from Brisbane and I put the boat on the water at every single centre and visited every single net and drum line off our Queensland beaches, that I, I sat in that boat at every one of those beaches and I asked myself, what solution would suit this place? Mm -hmm. What could government put in this place that would be a solution that's acceptable to the public, provides actual beach safety, and doesn't impact negatively on the environment. Now, I wish government would sit and ask those same fundamental questions because they're the obvious questions. You know, I'm no rocket scientist. I'm no, you know, they to me are the basic fundamental questions on how you provide a, provide a system. And when you sit there at each of those beaches and you look at the different situations, you know that the solutions are not the same solution for every beach. A beach off cans doesn't have the same conditions as a beach off uh, Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast. In, in Cairns, you've got generally fairly murky water, but that water is protected um, by the Great Barrier Reef. It doesn't have huge waves uh, and it doesn't have a lot of surfers either. Yeah. So what's going to work there is something like Eco Shark Barrier, you know, mm -hmm. an Australian invented, built, marketed, product by an Australian company. What hook could you ask on a political basis? You know, let's create some jobs in this country and let's put Eco Shark Barrier in at um, Palm Beach, north of Cairns. It, it's the perfect place for it. Because you don't need to put it in every single beach. Um, you just need to make, uh, you know, one beach, that centre one, find the biggest one, the one that's got the, the biggest tourist infrastructure there, the one that's got the most coffee shops, <laughs> you know, Palm Coast, <laughs> beautiful. It would, it would work. It would work. Um, in Cairns, people don't really swim anyway. I mean, they're due to the jellyfish and the crocs. Like they have, <laughs> they have their whole s different set of issues. They're not, I, when I was yeah. in Cairns, I wasn't even thinking about sharks. Like, is, no. it, I want, I want a croc net more than a shark net. <laughs> That's and they right. have those, and, and that's where people have, swim. Well, they have stinging nets. <laughs> they have stinging nets, yeah. But I can tell you, I was sitting in my in, in our boat off Palm Cove, um, sitting there, uh, preparing ourselves to go and check all of the. I think it's either twelve. I think it's twelve or fourteen drum lines off Palm mm -hmm. Cove, off that beach there, um, and reflecting on the the day about a year before, my partner and I were sitting there having coffee at one of those coffee shops at Palm Cove, looking at that beautiful water through the palm trees there and having the waiter bringing us out. I don't think it was coffee. It may have been something with uh, something more potent in it. But <laughs> anyway, that waiter, you know, I played a bit dumb and said, oh, what are those yellow boys out there? And he said, oh, they are to stop the sharks from coming to the beach. So let's think about that. So fishing hooks there to stop sharks coming to the beach. 
So that guy had no idea of the effect of those those um, those devices. But anyway, I was I was thinking about that one, and uh, and uh, while I was sitting on the boat there, watching the local nippers come on out. So seriously, they have nippers up there at uh, Palm Cove. So nippers, uh, uh, you've got a bit of an international audience, Cat. Uh, so um, <laughs> I explain that nippers are our our junior trainee lifesavers. So these are these are um, children of you know. 10, 10, 12 years old, I guess, uh, coming out on their surfboards um, and asking us about what we were doing. And, and, uh, and I was telling them about the, uh, the drum lines and, uh, and watching how they lifted their feet up out of the water while we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. But they were a delightful uh, bunch of kids with all sorts of questions about sharks and about Sea Shepherd and, and all that sort of thing. But um, I also enjoyed their stories about how they went down to the surf competition down at um, down at the Gold Coast and got absolutely smashed because why? Oh, sorry, it just broke <laughs> so, up. That uh, they went down to uh, the Gold Coast and they got absolutely uh, smashed. That's where it broke they up. Got <laughs> they got they got absolutely smashed in the uh, in the surf competition down there because they weren't used to waves. <laughs> yeah, that helps uh, to be good at surfing. <laughs> It does, but it, um, you know, they're a very enthusiastic bunch of kids, but all of that story helps me reinforce the, the, the idea that a place like that would be a fantastic place to remove the drum lines and put in, you know, a barrier technology that, that would have so many benefits uh, to, to that environment and that tourist uh, town. But down on the Gold Coast, your, your, um, your, your, your obvious solution to me is, is, is drones in the hands of the surf life-saving people. You know, and there's so many advantages to that other than just being able to spot sharks, you know, spot the conditions on the water, spot, spot um, people who might be in trouble, fly the drones over, have a look at the surface, you know, mm-hmm. instead, of, you know instead of just leaving them to their own devices, all those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, and... Uh, you know, when they do spot swimmers in trouble, um, you know, they can use their drones in various uh, ways in, in those situations as well. So there's just, there are multiple advantages to that technology. And uh, I just hope that, you know, our government here in Queensland can, can see that. Uh, and I really do think that this week, um, and if not this week, within the next two weeks, we're going to see what our government is made of. We're going to see uh, how visionary they are, how what their ability is to to read the public's view on this. Um, you know, there, there was a a survey put out by the ABC um, only last week. You know, do you think the shark nets should be removed? And uh, it was a simple question, mm-hmm. and about an eighty percent of that audience uh, said yes. Now that wasn't going to happen five years ago. It wasn't even going to happen two or three years ago, but it's, it's happening now and, and, and the mood's changing. Uh, and that's so, amazing yeah. uh, to see yeah. people understanding better. And the, the thing about removing the shark nets and drum lines is it's not like, you know, the, the safety mechanism is suddenly going to be gone because as you've said, there's no proof uh, that it actually works, that the shark nets or drum lines make the beaches any safer. And it's not like there's going to be you know, no money in the budget left for these alternatives. Because as you said, there's almost $20 million over the next uh, three, four years going into this, which can be instead redirected to training uh, surf lifesavers to be drone pilots. I mean, there's there's the money, there's the technology out there now. So um, 
I do hope that people go out and vote because I think that's the best thing that people can do. And I'm glad to see that public opinion is changing for sure. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. And look, I, I think, I think money invested in uh, people's skills mm-hmm. is far better investment than in, uh, in, in cutting equipment and, and, uh, and, and, and fancy boats, you know, uh, I think in the end we'll find that, uh, the drone technology will be a far cheaper solution uh, and one that will be shown to enable uh, beach safety. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do fear is, is, is the backlash of when, when a bite does occur. And, you know, let's face it, they do occur. They're yeah. very infrequent. There will be bites in the future where the drum lines and nets are in, where the drones are flying. Uh, whatever, there will be bites. And look, we're prepared to, to you know, to hear people when those occur, but I am sure there's going to be some people who um, will do it. We told you so, let's put the nets back in. But, you know, we have to be strong enough and, and uh, be able to stand our ground with the scientific research. And, and that's part of the responsibility of government to do exactly that as well. Uh, so, you know, let's see what happens in the, in these next few weeks. Uh, we've got a lot of whale migration season to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's too many whales that have turned around and started heading south yet. Uh, I don't expect that to happen for another, perhaps a month or so. Uh, so where are we now? We're just, we're just going into, into July. Um, so yeah, uh, end of July, August, I think we'll start seeing some southward heading, uh, humpbacks. We know that the humpbacks tend closer to shore. Uh, mm-hmm. on the way back because it's more mothers with calves uh, seeking the security of those places where they come into shelters. This is why uh, places like um, Harvey Bay, Noosa, Gold Coast are such great while watching places. It's because on that return trip, uh, those uh, mothers with their calves come in closer and and you know, provide that thrill for people to, to see. I just see your face smiling, just like I've got to say mothers and calves and, and the eyes light up and, 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 and the face smiles, hey. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm looking forward to being up there in, in, uh, uh, fairly soon. Uh, I think uh, it's gonna be August that I'm gonna be up there, which is when I expect to have some muggings around the boat where all the uh, yearling whales and the, the young whales come in with their inquisitive natures and uh, uh, you know, provide us with, uh, you know, that interaction, I'm very much looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, I'm also dreading some of those animals getting caught in, in, in nets if they're not taken out. So, uh, you know, things are going to change. We're going to have um, the nets will come out. Uh, hopefully we'll head off at the pass, the idea of putting drum lines in and we're starting a domino and that domino will have the nets out. It'll have all the other lethal methods out and uh, we'll be, uh, turning Queensland into a progressive state over this next year. There's my uh, vision and uh, my hope. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, there, there is positive thinking and we are having a lot of positive kind of um, response from the gen- like general public. And I feel the media as well, in a way, has been on the side of getting the nets out, as you were saying, you know, they did 100%. that poll. Um, even even the even the media that has traditionally run those um, you know big scary lurking shark stories with the you know those uh, stereotypical white shark photographs on the mm-hmm. front of their newspapers 
and let's say that they are newspapers that sit right in the tourist um, hotspots in Queensland, um, they're coming around. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're publishing... This, hang on. Yes, same newspaper. Put this up the other day. And, oh, and what, I'm, what I'm showing in front of our Zoom me meeting here is, is um, you know, the Gold Coast Bulletin with the headline, protesters spell out stand on shark nets with um, our friends at um, AMCS uh, who managed to um, get donated from the public and surf shops, 50 surfboards to spell that out on the beach. And that got run in um, a newspaper that's generally been fairly hostile to these ideas. Um, you know, one of the other things that I'll add there too uh, is this year, um, one of the re remarkable things that has occurred is that we've had a very much a coming together of various organisations uh, on this. Now, there have been a lot of organisations working in this space uh, mm -hmm. for some time now. Um, and I'd suggest that Sea Shepherd's been a leader in it because of what we do. And that's been direct action. That's been on the water, um, at the nets and the drum lines, people in the water with cameras. Mm -hmm. Now, that's very, very difficult now with the new laws that have come in that um, uh, are largely curtailing that activity. But Sea Shepherd's been the organisation to do that. Uh, the Humane, Humane Society International did that marvellous thing last year where they won the court case against the um, uh, Queensland government and they got uh, a change in the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. Now, we're having to monitor that situation. In fact, um, I'm going to be doing some monitoring of that situation. I won't tell you too much about that um, here publicly, but... Uh, you know, at the moment, uh, we've had that marvellous win that HSI and mm -hmm. uh, with the help of AMCS have had that major court action and won the case. But largely at the moment, in very much, there's very much an aspect of uh, business as usual by the contractors up there because we know that the vast majority of those animals that have been caught on those drum lines are still being killed. Uh, and we need to get that out there and let people know the contempt with which it appears the government is holding that, that, that judgment, uh, that, that, that court order. Um, so if, if those animals are still dying there, that's in contravention to the permit. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it takes groups like ours uh, to do this. So, you know, Sea Shepherd, AMCS, HSI and a bunch of other organisations and individuals are working together uh, on this. And, uh, you know, we've really got our act together this year and we're working together. And uh, that is making a difference. So, you know, last week we would have had many hundreds of people uh, ringing the uh, offices of the Minister of Fisheries, the Minister of Tourism, uh, the Minister of the Environment, right up to the Premier's office. So we had all those four ministers being phoned and that action came out of a cooperation between us, Sea Shepherd, uh, the Australian Marine Conservation Society and Humane Society International. And, you know, uh, I take a great deal of pride in that we've managed to get our organisations on the same message, working together uh, on this. And, that, and that's how we get, get that change, change to occur. Mm -hmm. And uh, watch this space because there's more organisations uh, coming into this.
It's it's amazing to to see and really how many people did phone phone the ministers uh, in in Queensland. That was really cool to see the movement happening. Um, yeah, but, but I, mu I must say, um, you know, my experience there and listening to people's experience, they're reporting back and the stories that they wrote on our Facebook uh, feeds following that was that the people taking the calls in those offices were utterly professional. Um, they uh, would have been having a pretty hard couple of days last Thursday and Friday, uh, but they were pleasant. They took people's details. They promised to get those messages through. I think, you know, that said, there was a clear message from uh, tourism and environment ministers offices that this mm -hmm. issue sits with the fisheries uh, department. Yeah. Uh, but we believe that uh, ethically and logically the issues cross over into tourism, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, and the environment, obviously, obviously. And, the, and the fact that the Premier has been in the media uh, talking about this very issue um, she deserved the phone calls as well. And uh, we stand by uh, what we did and the actions that we uh, uh, got people to do. And I'm sure something really positive is going to come out of it. Uh, you know, there's, um, they've also, another organisation, Humpbacks and High Rises, just hit them with 100 or I think it's about 110,000 signatures on a petition now. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, other groups going through and, and telling the same thing. We've got... Uh, emails going in uh, from other actions you know after that i believe after the first whale entanglement of the season uh three days after that sea shepherd had about 600 people emailing uh the minister and that oh, number has wow. gone past 1400 people 1400 people who've gone in there and written an email um on behalf of the whales and you know and and let's not forget that it's not just on behalf of the whales too, because while the whales are the galvanizing animal for people's action, in getting those nets out, it's not just whales that are going to be saved. It's, it's going to be the dugongs, the dolphins, the rays and the turtles, etc., etc. And it's going to be all of those sharks. It's going to be the 19 species of sharks that are targeted by the Queensland government in the culling program. Uh, the 19 species of shark that get shot uh, when they're caught in nets and drum lines by uh, Queensland government contractors. Except, of course, now in the Great Barrier Reef, um, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, they're targeting three species there and they're not supposed to be killing them. But uh, there are questions remaining over how that is being conducted at the moment. And let me tell you, we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> um before we, we wrap up, I did want to ask you, of course, about the sensational headlines that were in the news a couple of weeks ago now, and that's the famous Tinny Man. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened that day and what this gentleman did? Oh, what a remarkable man. What a remarkable incident to, to have occurred. Um, it's interesting. One... one uh, new, one news reporter on a very prominent uh, radio station in Brisbane interviewed me live on the radio and asked me a series of questions where the premise was that that day was some kind of setup. Um, how was it that on that day there happened to be a film crew on the beach? The film crew 
that is about to release a huge documentary was on the beach that morning and had a drone up in the air and there was a, a whale entanglement that day. The same day that uh, we got a whole lot of supporters down to the beach because of that whale entanglement. But on that day, there happened to be a dude out in his boat, in his tinny, aiming to go surfing. He was looking for a manta ray that he'd heard about uh, out on the water that day. And he saw the spout of, of this whale, this juvenile whale that, um, as it turned out, was entangled. He saw the whale and then saw that it was in the net. And he looked around and saw no one on the water. Uh, there were no boats heading towards that uh, um, whale. And he uh, decided to, to do something about it. And uh, I guess he was lucky, the whale was lucky, that um, it was a situation where a person with the right skill set and a situation that he was able to deal with without putting himself into too much danger. Now, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. He did put himself into some danger. It was a heroic act, but it was also, you know, one that I don't want to see have to be repeated. Yeah. Um, and I am so glad that it came out the way it did because it might not have otherwise. Um, you know, if it had been a, a mother and calf or just a calf with a mother nearby, the whole situation's different. So, but, you know, Django, AKA the tinny man, he was able to dive into the water and, you know, get the net off, off that, that shark, uh, off that shark. I've done it again. I've done that before. Off that whale <laughs> and release that whale and have a good outcome, you know? And uh, you could see that on the video, the helicopter video of him pumping his fists when he did it. Um, so the other thing that came out of that was that, uh, you know, he was followed to the boat ramp and he was, um, oh, he was spoken to on the water by uh, fisheries officers who arrived uh, not long after he uh, was trying to leave. And um, they told him that he would be fine. He was issued a fine. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how big was the fine? Just out of or, curiosity, do we know? No, I'm not going to um, say what the fine got to, but it started um, it, it started, it was over $1,000 initially, mm -hmm. um, but um, Django is not going to, he's not disguising it. So, you know, I'm not going to disguise yeah, of that course. as well. But there was a fine issue. Um, but I know he was getting nervous uh, when he was seeing reported in the, in the, um, in the press uh, about what the fine could have been. Now, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what the fine could have been. He could have had a fine for approaching a whale in distress. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there is a there is a um, law about um, being with close to a whale, but there's also specifies a whale um, entangled. Um, there was a fine um, available to the government for uh, encroaching what's now a 20 meter exclusion zone from the gear, mm -hmm. uh, and that fine uh, maxes out at twenty seven thousand um, dollars. And there is another fine. Uh, now, Queensland's unusual. Queensland stands out on this one in this country because in New South Wales, the equivalent fine is $22,000. In Queensland, the fine for, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, uh, interference with, with shark control program equipment, with, with a shark net or a drum line. Interference can max out at $67,000. Now, that's completely ambit. That's just, just a ridiculous amount. 
But when Django was hearing these stories, he was starting to get a bit nervous. And um, there was a, uh, a couple on the Gold Coast who, who, who run a, um, a business on the Gold Coast saw the stories about what Django did and saw the possibility of him ha having a, a fine that might have reached $20,000. Um, they decided to launch an appeal mm -hmm. to have that fine and his court action covered should it come to that. And they put that appeal out. But they were also, um, uh, they foresaw that the fine might get withdrawn. And so when they put that out through GoFundMe, they said any unspent funds we'll put into marine conservation research, we'll find a group to do that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, the fine was withdrawn by fisheries. I think um, they decided the publicity might eat them if they issued a fine on this one. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, their, their, their uh, press release following that uh, said that uh, Tinny Man, Django, was lucky um, because he had no previous uh, convictions and all that sort of thing. So, okay. yeah. Let's see how that plays out when they uh, give it somebody else uh, a fine. Um, but uh, let's hope it doesn't, doesn't come to that. Uh, but we were, we, the Apex Harmony campaign, were very, very uh, fortunate in this because that, uh, that fundraising uh, raised over $16,000 and we were invited to uh, accept that uh, fundraising. Uh, for the campaign and for Sea Shepherd. And uh, uh, there was another campaign uh, by another group that uh, uh, I think it was in the order of six or $7,000 was raised and that was distributed to uh, AMCS and HCI. So uh, uh, that's my understanding, yeah. So, so other groups. So there was some great benefit that rolled out of this. So uh, I, I wonder how that plays in the offices of the um, Minister for Fisheries as well. But, um, yeah. you know, we're certainly already using those funds to help us in this campaign to remove those shark nets. So that's uh, been good for us and been good for the campaign, which will be good for the, the whales and the, and the sharks and all the other animals. Uh, Definitely. But yeah. as, as you were saying earlier, you know, this job shouldn't exist of having people specialised to save the humpback whales. Django shouldn't have been in the position where he had to put his life at risk because for anyone who hasn't swam with a humpback whale as beautiful and intelligent as and fantastic as they are they are so intelligent that they can feel threatened by us and if they feel threatened yep. they can most certainly defend themselves and big humpback whale little human the the odds of who gets hurt in that interaction <laughs> are pretty yeah. clear or, or or I think the scenario where where a humpback mother is protecting her calf yeah, as definitely. any animal species, as a lot of animal species do, and, and humans can certainly relate to that. Um, you know, that situation where um, she's going to be defending uh, because they're not going, you know, as intelligent they are, um, encountering humans and shark nets is not in their natural um, mm -hmm. experience and world. And so it's a highly stressful an unpredictable environment. And, uh, you know, those, those pectoral fins of, a, of an adult humpback whale, um, they exceed a ton as I understand it in, mm -hmm. in, in, in weight. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, there has been documented uh, case of, of, a, of a rescuer um, in the United States who lost his life rescuing a, a humpback whale from a net, just an unfortunate, it wasn't an attack or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just 
a whale rolled over after being um, uh, rescued and collected this man with it, with his fins. I understand from the reading I've I've done, and it's just an unfortunate um, incident, but it, it does highlight the risk, um, and it's a very serious risk. So those those jobs shouldn't exist. Um, so we'd like to see that job description go. And <laughs> some new ones job, made. And some new ones made. Um, some no, new ones made managing uh, non-lethal uh, mitigation equipment like, uh, like barriers, drones, and other technologies that are, that are coming through, for sure. <laughs> and for anyone listening right now, whether they're international or local here in Australia, what can they do? What is happening right now that they can jump on board and support this Remove yeah. the Sharknet campaign? What's happening now? It's it's a political campaign, uh, whether whether we like it or not, um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, this system that endangers so many animals on our coast in the name of our tourist industry, uh, this system is funded by government. Government does it on our behalf, uh, so it's political. So we urge people to keep on making contact, whether it's a phone call uh, to uh, the Minister for Fisheries, because it's a fisheries minister. Uh, the line I drop on this one is, shark nets and drum lines are the beach safety program you get when you put fishers in charge of that program. All they can think of is culling. So we need that message put clearly to those people that this is an issue for people. And, and people can use their own words and ideas about this, because as people have different views and reasons uh, on this uh, to to, uh, voice their opinion against it and voice their opinion for something more reasonable. So people can contact the the Minister for Fisheries because the fisheries is in Queensland. So it's it's a Queensland government. Um, It's really easy to go on uh, and find the Queensland Parliament website where you can look up the, the, the members of the Queensland government find the contact for the Minister for Fisheries, the email and the uh, phone numbers there. The Minister for Tourism, because this does cross into the tourism area, and the, and the Minister for Tourism has been in the media talking about this very issue. And there's the Minister for uh, uh, Environment, who we'd much prefer be in charge of this beach safety program, because we mm-hmm. think if the Minister for Environment and Science, it's all rolling together. We're in charge of it. We'd have a much more uh, reasonable system in place. And of course- Much more scientifically based system maybe? 100%, absolutely, yeah. Um, So there's those four ministers, but let's not forget too, that if you're a Queenslander, if you live in this state of Queensland, um, one of the people that you can, can contact and should contact about this is your local member of parliament because they vote on these issues and they need educating on these issues and you know those these people have to be across so many issues as our representatives in parliament they won't necessarily know the the intricacies of these programs and so we may have members there and i'm sure we do who truly believe that nets and drum lines make beaches safer they need to be educated and they need to have the members of the public feed their opinions to them um, on a, we, we've tried to make it really easy uh, for people. So uh, via our Facebook page and on our Apex Harmony webpage, which is accessible through the Sea Shepherd Australia website, find us through there. We have an action button on there which sends um, an email directly to the uh, Minister for Fisheries. And 
uh, we've we've set it up so it's really easy for people to just send it. But if people can look at that email and add their own take on it, do their own little bit of editing on it, change the um, the subject line in that email to reflect their own view uh, or the specific uh, ideas that they want to put forward, change the introduction to the email to put their views forward, we think that is an even more powerful way to do it. So if people want to sort of add their own to it, we absolutely encourage people to do that. Make the, make those, send those emails, make the phone calls. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, have this belief and, and I understand why that, you know, uh, how much difference can my email make mm -hmm. or my phone call make? Um, because it's very easy to sort of get a bit negative about that and, and, and think that it doesn't make a difference. But let me tell you, it does. And we are seeing that difference right now. Um, and we know that the minister is going to be saying something very soon. We hope it's what we want, but it is entirely because of public pressure through those emails and phone calls. Keep them going. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Jono, thank you so much for coming back onto the Ocean Pancake podcast and telling us all about this because it's been about a year and a half since we last talked. So it's been amazing to been see the progress. And, um, you know, hopefully next time we chat, uh, you can tell me all about uh, the successful removal of the nets. <laughs> We're going to be celebrating. Well, well, We're going to be celebrating. I'll come back and we'll celebrate. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and we'll take the celebrations, but we'll also be continuing to... Uh, uh, be involved in the issues that are uh, affecting our sharks and other marine life because there are plenty of them. And uh, so I, I don't anticipate that the work will stop, but mm -hmm. uh, we'll certainly celebrate the wins along the way. So Kat, thank you so much for all you do with, you know, the broad range of issues that you bring out um, through your efforts uh, for marine life and uh, giving us the opportunity too to come in and, uh, and talk. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Cheers, Kat. Okay. As for usual, thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining me again and letting me know about what's been happening with Sea Shepherd. I am so excited about the positive movement and hope all of you guys will take this moment, this initiative to make a positive change. So send an email, uh, give a phone call to uh, the local government in your area. Thank you guys so much for supporting uh, Ocean Pancake and allowing me to spread the message and education if you want to become part of the Ocean Warrior Tribe. Make sure to join the Ocean Pancake Facebook group where we chat about all things sustainability and conservation. And you can get yourself a Plastic is the Pillow t-shirt to spread the plastic free message and help protect our oceans. As always, thank you so, so much to Graham Mose, who is the mind behind the music in this and all other Ocean Pancake episodes. He is based in Brisbane, so if you have a chance, go see him live. Otherwise, Graham Mose Music online. Check him out. He is extremely funky and will make you want to dance. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Or you'll hear me in the next episode. You know what I mean.